0: Who are you? What? Who are you? What are you doing in my bedroom?
1: You mean this isn't the YMCA? Honey, will you knock it off? I'm late. Now just tell me where you put the razor. Darling, I am
0: in no mood for jokes. You get out of here. Uh, Wilma. Wilma. How do you know my name? It's on the marriage certificate, remember? Oh, mister, I've never seen you before in all my life. Uh,
1: And welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And I'm Kevin. And wait, who who are you? No, I'm, I'm joking. That's um ver- don't, don't do that to me. <laughs> oh, I was wondering if you I heard, haven't quite
0: drank as much as uh, the main character in this episode. But uh,
1: Yeah, you haven't had as many Irish whiskeys in a row, like one after another within a five minute span. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I was waiting for you to pull the whole like who are you? I was I was waiting for one of us to race to the bottom and get to that joke. So uh, <laughs> glad I got there first. All right. So I uh, hope you guys liked uh, our, our talk last week about a uh, little girl lost. Hope you guys uh, grabbed the collar of the dog and came back to the, you know, our dimension and weren't lost there forever. And you can enjoy this conversation that we're about to have. Um, so yeah. Uh, should we talk about the, we, we always talk about, we don't have news, but with this new twilight zone coming there, there feels like there's a little bit more coming out each week about it.
0: Yeah. Um, so they just dropped as of today when we're recording the first teaser trailer for the new Jordan Peele twilight zone.
1: Yeah. And uh credit to, to Nick for posting it on our wall on our Facebook. Cause uh, you know, like obviously he's like, you might want to check this out. So we did. Um, yeah, I, the one thing I'll say though, I went, there was various other outlets that, that re- released this trailer. And one of the comments I read was someone's like, Oh, I'm glad they cashed Jordan Peele in this. And I'm like, did you not read any, anything going on <laughs> with the <this> show? <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, oh boy but you know it's cool like i like it gives you you know it kind of gives you the vibe of what it's going for like i mean it's you know it, it feels like the, it feels like the twilight zone i mean sure right because like you don't know what's going on things aren't adding up people are put in weird situations um i wasn't expecting necessarily all the callbacks that were in the trailer but you know you got to get people interested and remind them of what the show is
0: yeah, and they did say, I remember probably about a year ago when we were discussing this, that they were going to do originals and remake some of the episodes. So, definitely looks like I saw the uh, the fortune-telling machine from Nick of Time in there. Um, it looks like the the gremlin from The Wing. Um from the episode we have not covered yet on yeah. the show, but uh, it's like laying in a lake or something. So they are all call- callbacks and it looks like they're going to be dealing with a lot of the themes like uh, that we're going to be discussing tonight, like loss of identity. Um, looks like they're going to be dealing with some of that stuff. So it, it definitely does feel like the twilight zone. And I like the uh, remix of the theme. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounds, it sounds really good. They add some strings and a little bit more percussion to it, make it a little bit more modern. So I'm excited about that. Jordan Peele looks great. He's looking all
1: sly uh, sitting in that counter. Yeah, looking all sterling. (laughs) I'm
0: very excited to see his entrance into these episodes because that shot looks like he's going to be doing the, the type of entrances that we love from Serling.
1: I know, I know he'll never do it, but I would just love if like, he walks through a diner introducing episode and he's smoking a cigarette and like stubs it out. And like the characters plate of food as he's talking, like I would like (laughs) something like that where, you know, like, like, and even like the characters don't even know
0: comedy mix in, I'd be, I'd be down.
1: It wouldn't. Well, you, you know me, especially from what, what we've seen of the series so far, like, comedy isn't always that far away. And I, here, here's also, here's a spoiler. There were two points in this episode I laughed out loud at, not intentionally so, but I did. So, (laughs) uh, comedy isn't always that far out, you know? So I think, I think what's going to happen is we're probably going to see the first couple are going to totally like try to be like, we're serious. And then if, if the season doesn't go, if it goes without like one more lighthearted episode, then, you know, it'll make me wonder, like, not that, not that I doubt his direction, but, you know, I think if you're going to embrace the Twilight Zone, you got to embrace, like, you know, the shadow and the light. And I think that he'll do that fine.
0: Yeah. Or, or warts and all, you yeah. Know, sort <laughs> yeah, the comedy episodes. Yeah. They're going to redo, uh,
1: they're going to redo, um, oh, what was it? Um, the car episode, the car salesman episode, uh, um, not to tell the truth. What was that called? Um, I can't remember oh now. God, <laughs> <It> just transferred <laughs> that right over to me. Um, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't yeah. remember the name of that episode. <laughs> with, this with, the truth, me in with the truth-telling car, no. it was something like it wasn't like to tell the truth. Uh, it was, the whole truth. That's the whole it. Truth. There you go. They're going to remake that one, um, right? That would be great. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, what will really shock me
0: is if they do a western episode. Oh, that'd be
1: so great, wouldn't it? Like yeah. that'd be. And I, fun. I
0: feel like with uh, the belt of Buster Scruggs coming out, they kind of took that thunder, but. That, this might be a perfect time. There's been that resurgence of
1: westerns. Let's get let's get a nice weird western thrown yeah, in this. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and then that would also show, like, you know, that they're not afraid to to bounce around the genre a little bit either, which is clearly what yeah. Twilight Zone. You know, but did you see the trailer where it was like the most iconic series ever? And I'm like, we loved the Twilight Zone, and we clearly we we love it enough to want to talk about it. I, is it the most iconic series ever? Like, I don't, like, I don't know. Is the, I mean. I, like, i I think it's definitely one of them yeah i mean I, I don't know i
0: don't think i've ever spoken to someone in my life that didn't know what this show was
1: that's fair i got it just i it's it's a bold statement that's what i'll, I'll say about that so if they're calling their shot i'm excited and we're uh about what five weeks away from the, the start of that so it will be interesting yeah. when we get there yeah So, so yeah, that's your new segment, the, 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 the constantly evolving news topic that happens here on the show. Uh, let's get into this. this, I just can't believe it's actually happening. (laughs) Right? Like, like until, until I actually sit down and watch the first two episodes on April 1st, I'm still not going to believe it. I know that sounds terrible, but you know, like it's just like you said, like it's, it's hard to get excited until it's actually in front of you and i mean it looks like it's coming but you know much like the twilight zone there could be a twist and it never existed at all and we've just been hyping up something that never happened
0: it's just just going to wake up and be like wasn't there a jordan peel twilight zone nobody'll
1: know and i'll walk out with a bathrobe and um <laughs> and, and no that's yeah, giving away right. too much <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: We're jumping way too far. Oh eh? no,
1: I'm sorry. What am I what am I doing? I'm just I'm putting the the cart before the horse here. So let's see us get into this. It's a uh, person or persons unknown. Uh great title by the way. Uh season 3 episode 27. Uh air date March 23rd, 1962. Number 1 film, The Premature Burial. Um I'm going to defer to you to talk about this cuz I figured you know all about it. No, didn't we already discuss this on the show? I maybe. I don't remember. Um, I know that we talked about Corman, you know, uh, making some Poe films. I don't know if we talked about this one, did we? Maybe we did. I'm pretty sure we did at okay. one point because uh, Charles Beaumont does the screenplay. That's for right. Me. Okay. So this must have been one of those ones that this kind of like you know how every so often the film will just like be number one again, like a few weeks later. Maybe that's what it was. I don't know. But yeah, that was supposedly the number one film this week. So if we've talked about it already, cool. If not, go to wikipedia there's plenty of information there I, I just i thought we hadn't talked about it already yeah i i think we
0: did because i was discussing how corman's uh edgar and poe based stuff is probably my favorite out mm-hmm. of his filmography and i i believe this one uh based on the name is one of those but i i don't think i've ever actually seen this one.
1: Oh, okay so uh number one song is a uh, hey baby by bruce uh, chanel um so i couldn't find anything for march 23rd uh but march 22nd this one's just just uh, just bear with me. It's weird. Uh, FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover met at the White House with, with Kennedy to advise him about some findings from a wiretap. Uh, not only was Hoover aware that Kennedy was conducting an extramarital affair with Judith Exner, Hoover advised that Ms. Exner was also romantically involved with organized crime figures Sam Giancana, John Roselli, and Frank Sinatra. I don't know if it's implying that Sinatra's uh, organized crime. going to assume so. I mean, yeah. a bunch of his friends and himself knocked over something in Vegas, right? Like they built a crew and they robbed some diamonds or some stuff, right? So Yeah, there were like 11 of them. <laughs> or yeah, yeah, it was it was an odd <laughs> number of people, but there's many of them. Um after the meeting Kennedy called Exner to terminate the relationship, good call. Uh the affair would not c- become public knowledge until congressional hearings held in 75. So, you know, that's, uh, that's something to have like your, your FBI director be like, Hey, by the way, there's a wiretap. I know you're fooling around. And also the person you're fooling around with is connected to organized crime. And you're the president of the United States, you know, maybe, you know, maybe you should just nip that in the bud and be done with it. Maybe stop that. Just stop. (laughs) (laughs) And it never happened again with the president office of messing around people. They shouldn't have (laughs) never, ever again. So no. yeah, so <laughs> um, so yeah that that's what happened the day before this episode came out, but no one knew about it except for maybe five people. So um, yeah, that's all I got. All right, we'll jump into cast and crew here. This
0: episode was directed by our longtime friend John Bram, who yeah. uh, directed the most amount of episodes for the Twilight Zone. We talked about him first all the way back in season one, uh, in the episode "Time Enough at Last." So we have four more episodes to go, and I believe if I'm not mistaken, he has at least one episode in each season.
1: So he's gonna be sticking around for a while. Okay, good. like um I, I think the direct. I, I don't have a problem with the directing of this episode and I think like because he did um I, I put a couple notes I didn't list all eight. Uh, Shadow play, which was one of our favorites from season two. Uh, yeah. there, there's some nice cut
0: chance to in- dream.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, and there's some nice cuts in this that reminded me a little bit of Shadowplay with some of the transitions, especially at the end. So, like, yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: Unfortunately, this episode doesn't have that, like, darker imagery. Mm-hmm. And, and by darker, I mean, like, literally the uh, more shadowy, uh, stark photography that some of those uh, other episodes do. And especially since uh, this one kind of falls in line with Shadowplay and Perchance to Dream. This would have been a perfect opportunity to bring back some of that imagery, but uh, he plays it
1: pretty straight in this one. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. We'll, we'll get into it because you know this is. Yeah, uh, it, yeah, it, it's written. No, by- I,
0: I think I know what you're getting into. He he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to tell the story with the camera.
1: Well, no, he
0: could have given away things. Uh, just with choices of shots. That's fair, where but the
1: twist was going. The thing that gets me, and this is, again, I'm jumping a little ahead here, is that um, you have John Bram, who we there's some of our favorite episodes of the se- of the series so far have been directed by him. Charles At Beaumont. At least visually. Yeah, I mean, just, and just yeah, that's true. Um, and you have Charles Beaumont writing the, you know, this the script, and I know you're a big Beaumont fan, I am too, but I know you're a bigger Beaumont fan than I am, so it's like, oh, there's some good ingredients here to go really weird and dark. And they just, there's something about this that felt like it was such a light touch. Like it was almost too light of a touch for, and it's not the directing. I don't know where it is. There's just something about this. that's just, it's lacking a punch to the gut. And I know that's me going ahead, but I'm just setting the stage that we had some good, we had some good people behind the scenes on this. And it's just my expectations were kind of high for what we got. Yeah.
0: I'd be, I'd be curious to know, um, so this is the first episode shot by Robert Pittak and not, um, uh, oh my God, who, uh, who's the other, uh, cinematographer for the show.
1: Oh, um,
0: does like every episode.
1: Yeah. I don't remember. I, <laughs> uh, that, that's something I should probably make a note of. And I did not do that. So
0: let me, uh, let me bring it up. Cause I feel like I'll, uh, it's not Robert McCord, uh, uh, but we'll get to him later. Uh, George T Clemens. Okay. okay. Um, cause he was director of photography for most of the series. And this was Robert Pitek's first time being behind the camera okay. on an episode. So it may have something to do with that.
1: Maybe. I, I just I, I I think also a lot of this rests on the teleplay. That's just me, but that we'll get there when we get there. So um yeah. yeah. But but yeah. so so here also the foreshadow, the more shadowing this episode had. Uh you know how I have those reference books? There is next to nothing about this episode in all three of them. So that says something as well. So um, I, I have no information, so I have more notes about the cast than I do it actually about the production of the episode, which doesn't always bode well for the episode itself.
0: Yeah, that can either be good or bad. <laughs> so yeah. I guess we'll find out here. Um, the, as you mentioned, this episode was written by Charles Beaumont, not based on a short story. This was an original teleplay for the Twilight Zone uh, cast. We have Richard Long, who plays David Gurney
1: who was in one
0: other future episode of The Twilight Zone, one episode of Hawaiian Eye, and he was one of the characters in House on Haunted Hill. So, original. okay,
1: you ready to have your mind blown? Um, there, here's the biggest, like, well, actually, the second biggest uh, knowledge bomb I'm going to drop on you in this this episode tonight. So he was, he was in one episode of Hawaiian Eye, but before that, he was in um, a series, what was it called? Um... Oh, he was in 38 episodes of a series called Bourbon Street Beat, where he played a character named Rex Randolph, which he played that same character in the episode of Hawaiian Eye, and then went on to do 27 episodes of 77 Sunset Strip as Rex Randolph. So he played this character significantly in one series, had like a, a cup of water in Hawaiian Eye, and then went off to do it again in 77 Sunset Strip. like what happened there? Like was Rex Randolph that big of a character to make sure that he stretched three series. That's crossovers. Yeah. Left right. That's amazing. Yeah. Like I just, I mean, you see that sometimes back then, but it's like, I, I was like, Oh, why not? That's interesting. But I'm like, Holy crap. Like he played this character like numerous times, you know, <laughs> in other series. Like it was, that was weird. So I had to make sure to make a note that it wasn't just a Hawaiian Eye connection. It was like Bourbon Street beat and a 77 Sunset Strip. So there you go. That was weird. Yeah. yeah. I would like to see like uh, the pilot episode
0: with him in that and then go check out his Hawaiian eye and then go watch one does, of the others. He, like, he
1: actually like developed the character like, yeah, yeah I, just
0: to see what it was like. But, yeah. Uh, I, since I can't find any Hawaiian eye outside of the intro. <laughs> so I feel like uh,
1: maybe you could probably find 77 sunset strip. That feels like something that's available. So maybe you go find some of that. Yeah, um, I
0: want that Hawaiian eye though. I I, I, I do
1: too. Like I, I I need to see some of that. And my own personal like quest is for Johnny Midnight, which there was surprisingly no connection to this that show in this episode. Um, yeah. So uh, da- uh, I said David Gurney. Richard Long actually he died at forty seven. Uh, so that's early. His last film he did though is called Death Cruise, which seems oddly appropriate. I A TV movie <laughs> as well. So. <laughs> Yeah, um, not the last person we're going to talk about that has a sudden and, um, like, a, a died too soon. So that's uh, there's a lot of a lot of weird stuff in, in the cast here. So anyway, yeah, there's your Hawaiian eye connection uh, for the episode. So take take a drink.
0: Next up, we have Frank Silvera, who plays Dr. Koslenko. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is his only Twilight Zone episode. Uh, the only other thing I had really been familiar with is uh, Valdez is coming, the Burt Lancaster Western. Hmm. Um, But I didn't even realize that he was African-American. He was Jamaican.
1: He was Jamaican. Oh, he was Jamaican. Yeah. Okay.
0: All right. Yeah. But I didn't even realize he was. uh, And I guess he got a lot of roles just because the black and white film mm -hmm. wasn't really able to pick up his light skin.
1: He he was um, definitely like he had like like a multi-ethnic like you know look so he got cast yeah. in a lot of different things yeah
0: And if you go through his filmography I mean he plays anything from like Polynesian to Mexican to to black to white like it's it's crazy that they were like yeah, you can just play anything.
1: Well, Thanks. it's like, what's the na- what was the name of that actor? I can't remember that the Russian guy that we kept finding that was playing. Oh was, yeah, yeah, uh, that was uh, playing, playing a Mexican, like, uh, Cuban, and- <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, whatever. I mean, like, it, if if it works and you get paid and you get to like, and, and even like this episode for what it is, like he got something to do as opposed to like he, you know, he was cast as a doctor and actually got to deliver some interesting dialogue. So, you know, good on him. So. sounds like you did not read into what happened to him later in his life. So here's second knowledge bomb. This is the, this is the bigger one. This is horrible. Um, and you know, it's the show. It wouldn't be, wouldn't be the show without me mentioning a sad story. Uh, Silvara was killed June 11th, 1970 after accidentally electrocuting himself while repairing a garbage disposal unit in his kitchen sink. He was 55. Oh man. That's, what a way to go.
0: That's I would much rather be taken out by a, a spinny blade uh, wolf than yeah, yeah. garbage. I, I, would, I would
1: much rather turn left into a, a prop of a helicopter and die. maybe. Well, I don't know. He that guy lived for a few hours after that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's who knows? Right. That's I mean, awful. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I you um, know, but like I, I laugh because it's horrible and I don't laugh because it's funny. You know, like it's just, yeah,
0: like, yeah. No, that's, that's really uncomfortable. Yeah. So. Uh, but he was really active in the civil rights movement and everything. And, uh, he was, he was so well respected. There's actually a writer's workshop named after him. Oh, nice. Uh, dedicated to him that Morgan Freeman actually founded along with a few other people.
1: Nice. Okay. So they yeah. got, he actually, he, they, a much bigger impact than, than at first blush, you know? So, And hopefully maybe his uh, untimely death led to more safety measures involving uh, garbage disposals. We don't know about that part of it. I'm just I'm just I'm just guessing. But, you know, like, yeah, but it's just it's
0: really a time and a place thing. Just the fact that, like, just because the film couldn't really pick up his skin color, um, he could just jump around from ethnicity to ethnicity. And I, I that's that's something that should not happen again, but it's just interesting that it did happen, you know?
1: Well, I mean, like even you talk about like the, like with, with film and like black and white film and color film, like we made the joke, like what was it, a couple weeks ago that it was the, the birth of Lou Diamond Phillips, like how many yeah. different types of, you know, ethnicities did he play or does play, you know, like there's just some, yeah there's just some people that uh, for still for, shouldn't know, happen. It, it shouldn't I mean, I, well, I mean, I, it shouldn't happen in the sense of like, you know, if you want a certain, like, if it's a part of the story, then go find that, that type of person. I, yeah, I that's, that's, yeah, what, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Um, you know, but again, I mean, if it, if it gets you work and you, you know, aren't, as long as it isn't something where it's being a degradation or being made fun of, you know, I don't know. Like it's, it's, I'm not going to judge Silvera for doing this. I'm not going to judge Lou Devin Phillips, but that, no. that's interesting.
0: You know? Um, yeah. But, yeah. And like I said, it's, it's something that will, especially in the case of uh, Frank Silvera, like it's something that will never happen again.
1: Yeah, I I you're so, right.
0: Yeah. So. It's it's interesting. Um so next up we'll probably ramble through these pretty quickly here. We have Shirley Ballard who plays Wilma, mm-hmm. uh number one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this don't is don't her ruin it. <laughs> t-
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. I didn't know how I wanted to address this, but I'm just going for yeah. it. Um, only Twilight's own appearance, and weird thing, she was script supervisor for the original Mad Max. I have
1: that in my notes as well. She that's what she did a lot more work doing that kind of production stuff as opposed to being in front of the camera. But yeah, yeah, a lot of yeah. a lot
0: of continuity. uh, supervisors uh, credits for her, so
1: makes you wonder yeah. if, like this was the episode where she's like you know what it was important to connect all the dots I, I'm inspired I'm going to do that from now on
0: <laughs> you know yeah I would just I, I, I'd be curious how she got tied into doing Mad Max because it's not like she was Australian or anything
1: that's fair so. I mean I you I mean I don't know like what the film industry was like at the time in Australia and I'm sure there's much people out there who know much more than I would about that but you know, if I guess if it's one of those things that if you if you know, if you've done good work and you got your foot in the door, then, you know, you probably travel pretty well, you know, so. Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, then we have Julie Van Zant, who plays uh, Wilma number two. Mm-hmm. This is her only Twilight Zone appearance. So
1: I got two things for her. This I guess I'll say this is a mind blown number three, but it's minor. Uh, Was formerly married from fifty one to fifty seven to Richard L. Bear, who was a director on a couple episodes of Twilight Zone, like Purple Testament comes to mind. Uh, And then also here's just this is this is this is a Kevin fact. You'll appreciate this. An avid angler, she held the Guinness World Record for the biggest needlefish ever caught. (laughs) (laughs) All right, great. <laughs> uh, I just whatever, cool. You know, like but I just feel like that's up there with uh an actor just loving, you know, county and state fairs. You know, like she yeah I'm hoping my uh fishing experiences end up somehow on my IMDB page if yeah. I ever have one as well. So that's I pretty think, cool. I <laughs> think if not that your resume, if you go to apply for a job, like I, I have all these skills and I caught the biggest needlefish ever caught. Like, I feel like if you said that <laughs> people wouldn't research it and find out it was actually Julie Van Zandt, but
0: yeah, I'm just going to put next on my, uh, spruce up my resume. I'm going to put that. I love County fairs
1: on my resume, <laughs> but to put it something like I, like I caught the world's largest coelacanth, they'll be like, what? Like that's, I thought that fish was extinct. Like, just like, you know, really make them question. Yeah. Not, I caught the <laughs> biggest one. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I love county fairs. I caught it at the county fair. Weird story. Let me tell you about it. You know, <laughs> that would be funny,
0: though. To see if, <laughs> if somebody actually read your resume all the way through. <laughs> Just put that like near the end. Just put like, and I love county fairs. <laughs>
1: uh, what, <laughs> Proficient
0: <what am> <laughs> in uh, Excel, and I love county fairs.
1: One of my uh, college uh, professors actually, he had uh, did some teaching in Chicago, and at the time, he actually got to be like a background like person in an episode of ER, like walking up on a subway platform. So he made it a point to put it on his resume to see if people would actually notice it and ask him about it. So like, <laughs> uh, and he, he he told people he's like, here's this episode. You can find me. I'm over the shoulder of like Eric LaSalle. You can see it. And it's true. So I think that's fun that he was like, yeah, I was an extra in ER. Like if that catches someone's attention, then you're, you're staying in the office and you're having a further talk about your qualifications. So yeah. Yeah. County fair liking. Why not? Then maybe somebody would be like, you know what? ears are my favorite fair food. You're now going to work for me. Like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but then it, I think I've only
0: been to the county fair like twice though. <laughs> so like, then I'd have to like, what's your favorite part of the county fair?
1: My, oh, mine too. I mean, you know, I love I the just... I love the pig judging and the demolition derby. Well, me too. You know, like I don't know what pig judging encapsulates, but it feels like a fair thing. So, yeah, <laughs> sorry. Anyway, let's like, let's let's move on. I got there's there's more weird stuff coming along here that I have here for you for the cast. So it just nice. tells you tells you how much I did not have for the episode proper. I wouldn't dug deep for the cast.
0: Right, so we got Edmund Glover who plays Sam Baker, the bartender mm-hmm. it's his only twilight zone episode.
1: Yeah. I, this character actor. Like, I mean, I thought he looked familiar, but that's the, that's kind of what he is. Is that kind of guy where it's like, he looks like someone I know. Like, yeah. 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 I, I had the same thought
0: when I was watching the episode, I actually paused it to look him up cause it was driving me insane. Only to find out I didn't know anything <laughs> except for the episode I was watching. Yeah. Um, uh, we have Betty Harford who plays clerk. Uh, I probably wouldn't even recognize her. I think she was the one in the bank. Uh, this was also her only twilight zone
1: episode. So she was in a film called September 30th, 1955. That's the name of the film. And yeah, I, just, I saw that. Yeah, Interesting I, title. Did you read the synopsis for it? It just feels like no. it's, it's like, so, uh, when Jimmy's idol, so I guess Jimmy's the main character, James Dean dies on September 30th, 55, the small town, Arkansas college undergraduate goes berserk. He and his friends hold a vigil, which turns into a drunk and finally a tragedy. I guess I don't. That wasn't worded right. I I I copied that from IMDb, so it's not me typing it wrong. So it just feels like it's like it's drama about somebody who held up James Dean, and he just loses his mind because his his uh, his hero's gone. Um, Hmm. But I thought that was odd that she was in a film called September 30th, 55, and I had to look at it. So maybe not that great of a film, but interesting idea of like you know what happens to somebody that idolizes someone like james dean i guess um but more of a drama because when someone says they'd go berserk i was expecting like a murder trail but i guess it's just more sadness yeah <laughs> anyway i just that was just the a things you, without the, a cause if you will yeah uh no needlefish <laughs> were hurt in the making of that film i can tell you that but anyway <laughs> 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 yeah continue please uh we got michael keep who plays policeman
0: only twilight zone Got nothing else for him.
1: He was an episode of Airwolf. Um, I, 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 In my notes, I said, <laughs> an episode of Airwolf. Sorry, Spitty Blade Wolf. So I'm glad that you mentioned that earlier already in the recording here. So yeah. Perfect.
0: Nice callback. <laughs> I wish I could remember what episode we actually talked about, the <laughs> Spitty Blade Wolf. Um,
1: uh, yeah.
0: We had Joe Higgins, who plays the bank
1: guard. This is also
0: his only Twilight Zone episode. Don't yeah. have anything else for him.
1: Nothing. Well, TV, nope. right. Yeah, Distinguished career probably provided for his family. I'm like, I don't know. Nothing.
0: Yeah. yeah. He had a good look. He played a good uh, bank guard <laughs> <Yeah>. in this. <laughs> actually, probably my second favorite character in mm-hmm. this episode. Um, a couple more. We have John Newton, who plays Cooper. And I wrote down he was in the stuff. Yeah. The Larry Cohen film, which I actually have tattooed on my leg, so I definitely have to bring that up. Um, one other episode of The Twilight Zone. And uh, he co-produced this movie, Spasms, Uh, uh, William Fruitt uh, directed movie who he directed Funeral Home, which just got a Blu-ray release. So a lot of people have been talking about that and kind of fun monster sci-fi movie called Blue Monkey. But Spasms has Peter Fonda and Oliver Reed in it. And it's about a uh, (laughs) like a big serpent creature that's captured on an island and shipped to a college.
1: All right. Does does the server creatures like party down? Does it like join a fraternity and like just hang out like, you know, they're like, you know, brother snake, come on over. Is that what happens? Like there's like a paddle and like some beer. I don't, I don't know.
0: I, <laughs> I was going to say I have not seen this and it looks incredible. And just the fact that it's Peter Fonda and Oliver Reed, um, this is definitely adding to my list of, um, films that we discover on the show that i'll watch one day
1: <laughs> i want to believe that like the snake or whatever this is goes to drink and like they're like where'd all the alcohol go and then oliver reed's just running off in the distance like i just want to believe like they're like no you know um yeah uh so i it's mean oliver reed plays the snake That'd be sweet. <laughs> but this is
0: this is actually the second oliver reed snake movie because he was also in that movie venom Oh. Uh the British film with Klaus Kinski. Maybe, so, you know, like, you know, just
1: he could appreciate the, it, you know, like just he could really
0: double feature night. I gotta rewatch Venom and throw spasms to them. I,
1: I would I would be more than happy to be there to watch that. That'd be great. Um and then we'll handcuff handcuff ourselves together. It would be an honor of Oliver. <laughs> yeah,
0: and I'll get drunk and uh <laughs> drop the key down a a sewer. So I should probably explain that. Oh. <laughs>
1: there's
0: a, there's an Italian crime film called Revolver, which uh uh Oliver Reed and uh, Fabio Testi are handcuffed together. And in th- in some of the background for the movie, there were Fabio Testi was talking about how drunk Oliver Reed was the whole time. And while they're handcuffed together, Oliver <laughs> Reed threw the keys down a <laughs> sewer grate. And they were stuck until somebody was able to come and cut them apart. Oh. So, for our listeners, uh, just so... There you go. You yeah. We're talking about with that. So um, that's, a, that's a deep cut into Euro crime yeah. there.
1: Uh, so John Newton, you mentioned he was in the stuff, but I just want to mention he was also, he was a judge in seven episodes of law and order, but back in the sixties, he was in a series called arrest and trial. So I figured, you know what? First you got Arrest and trial and then you have law and order. Like I just figure they're almost the same show, you know? So I, I like that. Um, okay. but I knew that the, the fact that this guy was in the stuff that you would, you would mention that. So yeah, that's all I have for him. Cool. I got
0: two more. We have mm-hmm. John Bram, the director of the mm-hmm. episode, actually plays uh, the character Winston
1: <laughs> Churchill. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, 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 it, I, we'll, we'll get to it. When we get to it. I just, it. It was it was a fun little cameo for what it yeah, was. Yeah. And
0: then, lastly, we have a, another appearance from Robert McCord as man on steps eating apple. <laughs>
1: However, is this? Like, correct me if I'm wrong. This is the first time that because of his distinct name of Man on Steps eating apple, which sounds like the beginning of like a poem, um, we actually get to see him like and actually identify who he is. Because normally he's yeah. always just kind of there. So I'm like, we actually get to put a face to the name, like for once. Like it was crazy. I'm like, that's really Robert McCord. I've heard so much about him. Yeah, we got we got to put that screenshot up. I do face. have, I have, I have, um, I have a, a blurry screenshot of him running after a van of him, uh, you know, with his apple in hand. So the people will now know who Robin McCord is uh, forever, you know, and now they can go back and collect all the other like sixty-seven appearances that he's been in the series. So yeah, yeah,
0: probably still wouldn't recognize him, <laughs>
1: but. <laughs> But it was just one of those things where it's like it's like getting a photo of Sasquatch. You're like, he is real. Like I'm like, that's Robert McCord, <laughs> you know? So um i was i was never so excited for like a bit player at anything ever like so that made me very happy to, to know that was him so
0: yeah i just thought he was a proxy name for every other background <laughs> artist on the show it's like, they were like and robert mccord as everything else in the episode
1: it was before like the alan smithy thing with directors right it's like he's a robert mccord it's fine we'll yeah. just put him in there it's fine yeah. but he actually exists so yeah so, and that's he long. was upset. He thinks to finish his apple, and we, we will talk about that in a second. So, yeah, that's your cast and crew. Um, there's a lot of a lot that we got into there. That was that was a lot of fun. Um, now let's just <laughs> let's just get to the episode. Let's certainly uh, take it away. Cameo of a man who has just lost his most valuable possession. He doesn't know about the loss yet. In fact, he doesn't even know about the possession because, like most people, David Gurney has never really thought about the matter of his identity but he's going to be thinking a great deal
0: about it from now on because that is what he's lost. And his search for it is going to take him into the darkest corners of the twilight zone.
1: Yeah. Was it, was it the darkest? Not, I don't know if it was just, the darkest corners. I mean, like the most inconvenient corners of the Twilight Zone. I yeah, the, I feel the like, most frustrating and <laughs> drunken corners of the Twilight. I Zone. I feel like last week that was a pretty dark corner to like have your daughter just be lost in the wall in the space between dimensions in the literal
0: <laughs> dark corner of her bedroom. <laughs> she was lost. Yeah. So this
1: one's just more like it is. It is a mild inconvenience at times. You know, like, I, I, I think it's more the mild. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: but yeah, well, yeah, let's get into this. Yeah, please. So, yeah.
0: You open in the uh, the bedroom, um, and the uh David Gurney and his wife are sleeping. And he wakes up and he's still in his suit, he's all disheveled. And uh it's it's a moment we've all had after a night of uh partying or going to a party and drinking a little too much. And he gets up and you can tell that he's 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 had a rough night and as he's getting up, he's kind of mad at his wife for not taking care of him and getting his suit off and everything. Which uh, David Gurney is not the greatest human being.
1: No, so no he's um, he's
0: pretty unlikable throughout most of the
1: episode. I, I so I he looks up to see the the alarm clock and he he's like it's out of focus, whatever. Like you can tell he's a little hungover, and he picks it up and looks at it. And then he throws it like drops off side of the bed, which I appreciate that. But he has a wristwatch on, by the way. I just want to point out, like he could have looked at his wrist that entire time, but he had to make it a production of looking at the the clock and talk out loud about how everything, you know, everything was just like, you know, like I'm never doing that again. And like, look, like talking to his wife, who's asleep, who uh, credit to Wilma being like the heaviest sleeper in the world for part of this Like he's just griping about, he's like, oh, you couldn't even take my, like my clothes off or my shoes off. It's like this from the, from the jump, I'm like, I don't like David Gurney, (laughs) like it it never really changed. Like, so, um, not that, not that you have to like the main character, but when you get to the hook of what's going on with this episode, it's like, it just makes you wonder if like, you know, he didn't have this coming, like, (laughs) you know, so, uh, Yeah. yeah. Um, so you
0: find out he was at his friend uh, Pete's party. So the, Pete comes back in later on in the episode. So I just want to mention that. So he goes into the bathroom. He realizes he's like an hour late for work. So he goes and he's looking for his razor. Can't find it. Uh, keeps calling for her to get up. She finally, he goes in there and wakes her up. By smacking and, her
1: on the ass, by the way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Another uh, <laughs> another terrible moment for David Gurney. Yeah. <laughs>
1: The first
0: she's scared and screams when she sees him and turns out that she doesn't recognize him at all.
1: Yeah. And he's, he's kind of like, you know, like, by the way, he, I mean, if, if I party as hard as, as he did, and ended up like in my clothes full with my shoes on in bed. I am not getting up and walking to the bathroom, having a running commentary. I'm getting up and going to the bathroom and then curling up in the toilet and dying for three hours is what's happening. Um, So anyway, like he, I'm also not going to be mad at my wife for not helping me into bed though. Yes,
0: that's, that is completely valid. Like, yeah, Um, if I'm that drunk that I couldn't get
1: my suit off or anything, I'm just happy. I, uh, I
0: made it to the bed. If if I
1: was that drunk where I was in a suit and tie going to bed, I have plenty of questions about my life. Like, Like, um, So, Uh, yeah. Different Uh, era. Different era. Yeah. Uh, But he's kind of like, you know, he's like, I don't have time for this. I don't, this is a joke. And she's like, I, you know, I don't know, you know, who you are. And he's like, the names of the marriage certificate, which I played at the beginning here. And she, credit to her, like, she's like immediately like freaked out, like, and rightfully so. Her, her way of dealing with it, though, seems a little, a little like uh, patient a little bit where She gets over the phone and says, well, I'm counting to five. If you're not out of here, I'm calling the cops. So she counts off to five to him. And he eventually comes over and puts the phone down. He's like, this, you know, basically being like, what's wrong with you? This is a gag. Like, you know, he doesn't believe her. And he goes over to the dresser and goes to open it to find his clothes. And none of his clothes are in there. Goes to the closet. None of his clothes are in there either. And he still thinks it's like an elaborate joke. And she's like panicked.
0: Yeah. Know? He thinks like maybe his friend Pete's pulling a gag on him or something. Yeah. But- uh, we we missed Serling's intro oh, back. Oh yeah, sorry. Um, so after uh, she's scared and screams, uh, there's a nice pan over, and Serling is in the room. And my question was, how long has he been there? Has he been just, like, smoking cigarettes, watching them sleep all night? <laughs> my,
1: well, I mean, clearly we know from the last episode he has no problem creeping into bedrooms. So, you yeah. know. Um, yeah, this is this is an ongoing problem. Like, he, he left he left the family from the last week where it's like, oh, no, no, they're good. It's still the middle of the night. It's fine. I can still make it over to the Gurney residence before daybreak. It's fine. Maybe I'm it's good. next
0: door. Maybe it's next door. He just door. walked into the next house over. Like, what's going on in this bedroom? <laughs> we,
1: we find out that the Twilight Zone is just at a... Elaborate series of stories to tell so Rod's really can stare at people while they sleep. That's what we're (laughs) going to find out. (laughs) And that's what he refers to as the Twilight Zone. It's the time between, you know, light and shadow in which I watch you sleep and I smoke cigarettes. Like. This is making too much sense. Oh, no. It's just terrifying. Um, I I mean, it was one of those whip pans. So, you know, this was shot later, which is unfortunate. I really wish there had been a fun way to bring him in uh, to the episode. But I like the idea of like, he knows what's going on with David. Why can't you just vouch for him and tell his wife what's going on? It's like, you know, that would solve so many problems if you just tell everybody what the problem is. But no, he's just uh you know, he's just there judging everybody. He's just the bystander. He's just the He's just the observer, right? So as they sleep. All knowing observer. (laughs) I like this is a good theory. It's it's like it's it's not it's like it it paints Sterling in a really bad light, but that's what he gets that's what he gets for creeping in bedrooms in the middle of night. So that's what That's true. I
0: I didn't put him in the bedroom (laughs)
1: Do you think Jordan Peele is going to be in people's bedrooms for all the episodes of the new Twilight we Zone? We can
0: only hope. If that actually
1: happens, now I'm going to lose it. Like, like at one point, like, like, if, let's say they remake this episode, and all of a sudden you hear a thump, and it's like it's a ladder going against a window, and he, he, just, you see Jordan Peele <laughs> in the frame from climbing up a ladder so he could just give his, uh, you know, dissertation about the episode. I would, I would respect that so much. I would love it. That'd be amazing. <laughs> I hope somebody goes out a window in the new Twilight Zone series, too. They're, I mean, not just one, but, like, there has to be, like, one every three episodes. I feel like that is a Twilight Zone tradition and a little foreshadowing here in this episode. So I yeah. knew I knew there was a point in this episode that you were going to be completely on board for part of it. So, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway,
0: David's having so, yeah, a bad he, morning. He yeah. can't find his clothes yeah. and everything. So he's finally like, I don't I don't have time for this. So he leaves her work. And, well, he um, threatens
1: her. He's like, if this isn't clear, uh, figured out by the time I get home, it's like it's implied that he's going to come home and beat the shit out of her. You know, like it's bad. So my question to you, and I had my notes here specifically to ask you, could you imagine a young Michael Madsen playing the character of David Gurney? No, like, no, young no. Michael Madsen. No? no, I,
0: I can, but I don't want to see it. <laughs> it would be
1: even. It would be terrifying. I don't like it. <laughs> but, like, cause they almost like this. The, the, the actor and he almost have. They have like. Like not the same appearance, but like a, like the eyes. There's something about the eyes. They're very similar between Richard Long and Michael Madsen, and also yeah, they're kind of like it, 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 flippant, it, like, delivery. Of,
0: of I don't like know. Richard Long is a little softer on his delivery. I mean,
1: that's yeah now. But I'm just saying, could you see like an intense Michael Madsen being like, you know what? If, if this isn't figured out by the time I get home, I'm cutting your ear off. I'm not telling you what ear you get to. It's I'm cutting one of your ears off if this is not figured <laughs> out by the time I get home. Yeah, I could see it. I could see it. So I just, I don't know. I kept getting like a Michael Madsen vibe this entire time watching this. And it makes me wonder for what could have been. And it would just been bloody and horrible. Um,
0: But yeah. But then he also, as he's leaving, um, she's not really saying anything because obviously she woke up with a stranger, two strangers in her bedroom. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) so she's kind of just awestruck and confused. So she's not saying anything. And he calls her a nut. And says, like, oh, no, I'm not in the mood for breakfast. Thanks for asking. though. Yeah, he's lead. like,
1: no, oh, no, 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 I don't need. It's like it's like not only are you like she's distraught, you're going to be an asshole on top of it. It's like it's I know it's supposed to be played for comedy, but it just comes off as grating. You know, like it's no, just-
0: the, the only line that I actually laughed at that he had um, when she's trying to call the police and everything. He has a line where he says, like, oh, I have two martinis at midnight. She gets stoned by noon.
1: Well, yeah, and he's like, was like, yeah, what was it? He's like, what, well, look at her. She's like, she has two martinis at the nighttime. And then by oh, at 10 yeah. in the morning, she's stoned. It's like, it was a weird yeah, phrase. And I also didn't mind the whole thing of like, yeah, call the cops and the fire department. There's clearly a man dying here. Like, I liked that whole thing of like, yeah, I'm hungover. Just call, call every, anybody you want to call. It's fine. Um, but yeah, yeah, but
0: outside of that, like, very unlikable. Oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Um,
0: so, so yeah. Yeah. And next up, we got him going to the bank. Um, where he, where he works, and he walks in, says hi to the security guard. Kind of goes around, heading to or towards his desk, saying hi to everyone, and people are giving him weird looks. So he starts talking to his boss and realizes that there's somebody sitting at his desk. And he asks who it is. And they're like, "Oh, it's Mr. Cooper. That's it. That's his desk." So he immediately goes over there, confronts him, and physically pulls him out of the chair. Yeah, and starts like. taking down like his pictures and everything that's on his desk so obviously mr cooper hits the panic switch um or the panic button and the security guard comes over
1: and jim and the hero of the whole episode jim jim is the
0: hero yeah yeah he's he's like we need to take this outside like, let's, let's go. So he pushes Jim and it escalates quickly. Uh, Jim immediately pulls
1: a gun on him. Yeah. <laughs> I have my notes here. I was like, Jim, the guard doesn't screw around. That gun came out real fast. Like, <laughs> yeah, like it, it wasn't that
0: hard of a push. I mean, no. you should push a bank security guard. I'm not saying like he <laughs> didn't deserve this, but people um, have
1: been shot in open public for less in this day and age than what, uh, what Dave did to Jim, you know, exactly. Like,
0: yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, so he finally pulls him out of the building and when he goes outside, Wilma's already there with the police and she's talking to them because, um, you know, it, it, that's kind of a plot hole though, because if she doesn't know him,
1: why does is she at the know bank? Her,
0: yeah. How yeah. does she know where he works?
1: You know what? I didn't, I did not think about that until you it just said hit that. me now. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. That's, that is weird. But, but the fact that she had the cops and, you know, like to 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 deal with him i was like good on her but you're right why would she know that he works at the bank when she doesn't know who he is whatsoever
0: yeah and he doesn't in fact work there because nobody there knows him
1: yeah that's you know what you're right that's that this throws this whole thing into chaos i could can, i cannot function now with this no oh, it's fine it's just it's, it's <laughs> uh no like it, this the it, you're right that doesn't that doesn't add up whatsoever um I mean, when you get to the end of the episode, it kind of all, it's a hand, it's a hand waving and kind of like, it all comes out in the wash, but that doesn't yeah. make any sense whatsoever. You're right. Yeah. Especially with how
0: straight they're playing this yeah. like, and trying to be logical about everything. That is uh definitely a plot hole. So I, I didn't, <laughs> I did not write in my notes, but it just hit me.
1: You're right. Uh, I've, I've watched this episode twice. It didn't occur to me at all. Um. So I like like David's like talking to all the people, like the people who work at the bank, calling them out by name. Like, don't you remember this, this and this? And, like, everyone's just, like, looking at him, like, mortified of, like, we don't know who this guy is. And I like that his go-to is, I'm going to pull out my driver's license and my credit cards. And even, like, in 1962, a driver's license wasn't a photo ID. It was just a printed out card with the name on it. So it's like, yeah. that doesn't prove anything, you know? And But but good on the script that that information actually, there, he has there, there's nothing in his wallet. There's no credit cards. There's no driver's license. So, um, so I like that they kind of like circumvented that whole thing of like, you know, and they even mentioned it later about like the idea of a signature or like a statement is not the same thing as proof. And so as much as the script is stupid for having the wife there now, it was smart having the license. Maybe she followed
0: him. Maybe she got in the car and followed (laughs) him there just to see where he
1: was going or something. Yeah, maybe. I mean, sure. That, that, you know, she did, he did take he, he got into a car and drove away and i guess i guess it's i mean but he had the keys in his pocket right like i mean
0: yeah i so, don't know it's, i don't
1: it's weird yeah i don't know
0: but whatever she I was know. there i'm We're, i'm,
1: the, this I'm all not goes, that concerned about this it, all goes but. back to like the light touch of the episode i feel like so yeah
0: yeah um so the police take him away as he's screaming i'm david gurney <laughs> and uh we go to commercial break we come back and he's in a psych psychiatric hospital yeah. So now he's talking to a doctor, and the doctor, um, Frank Silvares' character, just basically is telling him like this: David Gerning character is somebody you made up. You're unhappy with your life, and this is a figment of your imagination.
1: Yeah, Ugh. but I also like that David states that he's 35, and I'm like, oh. 35 and it was things again where it's like I the the age of people back then just confuses me because of oh, my, I know like the it, constant I, I, would, I would give him 50 <laughs> <laughs> so, I
0: mean maybe if not he's, 50 but not
1: 35 but then no, i giving him like, 50
0: <laughs> that Irish whiskey caught up to him
1: right but oh. it's like he's like oh, he's like he's 35 and I'm like oh well I mean okay sure but uh but yeah there was the whole thing where the doctors like telling him like you know basically this is what he thinks like you know that David's an invention And then as like the doc, like the doctor talked to him, he's like, you need more proof. We'll get you the proof. And that's when they go to exit the room and he's like, oh, by the way, did you meet your, you know, basically your roommate? This is Winston Churchill. And, um, and it's just John Brom just sitting there (laughs) doing nothing. And it's like, he's got a
0: really stressed out yeah, kind of sunken look in yeah. his eyes and everything. He looks like, like but Hitchcock's that might just like, be what he looks like.
1: <laughs> he looks like Albert Hitchcock's like younger, like more emaciated brother, like just sitting there just staring into the distance. And I, and I just, I was really, really hoping for a second that he would bust out. Like, since this was supposed to be Winston Churchill, I was really hoping for like a fake British, like not a good British accent, but like a fake one and like talk to them about like the blitz. I was really hoping for Brom to lean into and actually try to act like Churchill, but he just sat there like mute and staring into the distance, which was fine. But I was like, you had the opportunity to do something really outrageous there for a second. And it would not have been out of place in the episode. You yeah.
0: know, like I was hoping uh, JFK and Elvis would walk by from uh, <laughs> Bubba Ho <O-Tep> or something.
1: <laughs> yeah, Bruce Campbell and Ossie Davis just walked by. And o. Yeah. O. Davis is like, like they they put part of my brain with a bag of sand. That's what happened. And he's like, and I got shot because I was messing around with the lady that was with the mafia. That's what he was going to tell everybody. You know, that, there's your callback yeah. to earlier in the episode. That,
0: <laughs> that Joe or Lansdale uh, short uh, story and movie. Um, is the better version of this episode. <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there. I, I've like, not,
1: I've not read the actual story. I mean, I've, I've seen Papa Hotep and that's, it's yeah. a, and it's, it's an odd movie, but if you just kind of like, once you sink into what's going on, it's delightful. Like I, yeah. Bruce Campbell's but a I, revelation. I, I honestly, that, yeah. I
0: think that is the, uh, the better realization of the story than this episode.
1: Well, what, <laughs> what was the, the, the episode from the, what was it, the first season? Um, a world of difference with, uh, yeah. Yeah. The, the actor that was playing the role and then like you know like, there was the confusion of identity. Like I feel like that's the better realization of this. Like but That's true. I mean how many
0: times have we seen like a loss of identity like uh, when the sky was open um uh, a world of difference like you mentioned. A uh, mirror image. Like there's so many episodes that kind of deal with this uh this premise. Yeah. That um, I I guess I'll bring it up. I I feel like I wouldn't have been as harsh on this episode if it popped up in season one.
1: Yeah, no, that, that's fair. I mean, if, if there hadn't already been them approaching this material, however, there's still, and we're not towards the end of this yet. There's things that happen where it's like, okay, the, the notion of like, if, if I woke up and no one knew who I was, um, and, but I knew who I was because there's the whole thing where David has the discussion. They move into the office shortly after this, where he's like, like you, you know, he's like he has a suspicion of like, oh, you could have paid all these people off and done all this, but I'm, I, but I know who I'm in my head. If if I was presented with that same notion, I don't know how I'd be able to function. Like I really don't know. So the idea in this episode is inherently terrifying. It's just that it takes me to take a step back and think about it that's where the terror comes in the episode doesn't really express the terror you know like no. so um but like a world of difference which is a it's a different setup and and you know like the other ones we've mentioned uh it was it was going for like more of a like with the world of difference it was more like an actor that he believed he was the playing he the role he was playing he believed he was that character and there's yeah. some implications that maybe he like the, it got a little blurry but that was that story. This one's more like this guy has just been removed from existence, his entire identity, you know? And that's, that is utterly terrifying. Even more so now with how integrated we are with like everything electronic and social media, like if this was to be remade, could you imagine someone be like, no, 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 I have all these friends and all this stuff. And he brings up social media. And it'd be like, it'd be like that. Um, like on Twitter, it'd be that picture of the egg that you have when you first signed for Twitter, you know, or or, or like just Tom from Tom, MySpace. Tom, Tom from MySpace would be your only friend, and <laughs> it's like, what? I have yeah, all this stuff, right? So like, it would be, it would be even more like the biggest thing here is whenever he gets into the office and the doctor is like giving him like the telephone, he's calling out to like his best friend who doesn't know who he is. He was like, oh, was yeah, at his he, wedding. He calls yeah. Pete, who hey, is Pete. just at yeah. his
0: house the night before. So. Yeah,
1: and then he um then he makes the doctor call his mom. And they actually get like, you know, the the mother, the gurney on the phone, and she, you know, you get the implication that she doesn't know who he is. And then the doctor brings out like the most important document to verify self, the phone book. Yeah. And and and, um
0: yeah. I want to take a step back to uh, when he calls his mother and he's on the phone with the mom because you can't really hear what she's saying on the other side, but there's just kind of this push in on his face Mm -hmm. in the reaction shot, and that was the high point like as much as i didn't really care for his character in writing and everything the performance was actually pretty good throughout the episode
1: yeah no uh, yeah
0: he, he plays it very straight and the reaction shots are believable and um i i was pretty impressed that was that was the one uh, bit of acting in this episode I was like, all right, I, no, I'll, I like give you, I'll,
1: I'll give you that. No, that, that, you're absolutely right about that. Um, my point was, I was going to say, even Naven R. Johnson is in the phone book. This guy isn't, you know, uh, <laughs> be somebody, you know, like, but I like that. I like that the phone book was like the end all be all of like, well, if you live there, wouldn't you be in the phone book? <laughs> like, yeah, So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this so is getting the close to basically yeah. uh,
0: tells him that like, because he asked him like, "Who am I?" If you're right and I'm crazy, and he's he like, "No, you're not crazy. You're just mentally disturbed." <laughs> so it begs yeah. me to ask like, "Is that better
1: or worse no, than
0: I, being called crazy?" It's just like you I know. I think you, I'd rather be called crazy.
1: Your brain don't work too good. We'll, we'll figure it out. It's yeah. fine. You know, your brain's broken. It's okay. So yeah.
0: Basically, his response was like. Maybe you just got so drunk last night that you had a total
1: loss of orientation and forgot who you were, woke up in the wrong house. Like, I don't know. I've been pretty drunk before. I just, uh, and I, you know, and I don't know about you. I, I, there's only one time in my existence that I that I am aware that I blacked out. But when I but when I came to the next day, I knew who I was. That there was just some time missing. Like that's all. Like it wasn't. Yeah, just like. It, yeah.
0: It's fuzzy. You remember flashes and uh, yeah. moments from the night, but maybe not like everything. No. There's only been a few times that I've been like that. But like, yeah, I, I still wake up and I'm like. I know where I am and I know who I am. Like <laughs> it's like it's almost like I feel like <laughs> that's an ungodly amount of alcohol you would have to drink to completely forget who you
1: are. It's it's like a Sam Beckett waking up after leaping into somebody. You're like, "Oh boy." And it's like, "Oh no, what happened?" you know, but uh but yeah, so I like that um so so David is like, "Okay, fine." Like he's kind of listening, but he's like, "But you know, you could pay off all these people, you could change phone books, but there has to be some small detail that has not been like, you know, overturned and that I'm still I'm still me. So um this becomes part one of one of the things that made me laugh out loud in this episode is that he decides that he's gonna prove the doctor wrong and find that one element that um that's gonna show that he is that is he is David Gurney and the world knows who he is. Um so he promptly jumps <laughs> out the window into the alley and goes to steals a car, tries to steal a car, but the whole like the sudden him jumping out the window, like I cackled the first time I watched this. and I was like, Kevin's going to love this because it's not an accidental fall through a window. It's a full on dive through it
0: out of nowhere, out of this, nowhere. Like, this is a five-star <laughs> twist uh, i was not expecting anyone to go out a window on this episode oh, and it gosh. comes out of nowhere oh. it is so unexpected i like love i had it.
1: to i had to rewind it because i'm like i didn't head uh, first like yeah like because it's like one of those things like if you know how window glass works he would be dead like he would be in, in, he would be in ribbons and bleeding all over the place but he just jumped with like a partial like straight jacket on and i like that whenever he got over the one car and like he took his like straight jacket off he was still wearing the shirt and tie underneath i like that thing. they didn't bother <laughs> to change his outfit he's looking at Put like, it on over it's yeah fine. it's like they they they. he checked the convertible for the keys it wasn't there he checked another vehicle i think and he ran over the van uh and see like oh there's keys in there because a uh, man eating apple on on a uh, you know doorstep had left the keys in the vehicle and and so David Gurney takes off, and so Robert McCord makes his triumphant entrance to the episode chasing after the van uh, because he was dumb enough to leave his keys in the, in the ignition. But I just, the, the the jump through the window, it's like it almost feels like then at that point someone who watched this episode have been like, we cannot have uh, psychologist offices on the first floor anymore. We have to move them up because the threat <laughs> of jumping is too great because it's like we're going to well, lose everybody. In In <laughs> – the one room that they had bars on the window. So you got <laughs> into fair. the office
0: and they're like, nah, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Like, we'll have our windows no facing, facing the alley in here. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, like, so I, I recently, and, and not to drag this episode longer than we have to, I recently watched that, um, that Ted Bundy confessions of a killer on Netflix, the four episode thing about yeah, his I, life.
0: I just watched the first one last week. Oh.
1: Sorry, not to spoil this, but there's a bit where he makes a jailbreak. Uh, yeah. and he does this like really like, smart for being Ted Bundy of like just leaving a courthouse and I'm, I'll leave, I'll leave the details ambiguous cause you've not seen it, but it's like, it's almost the same thing of us. Like, well shit, he did that. And like, they're like, we don't know what to do about it. Like, it's almost the same <laughs> level of like, Oh, Oh, we let the crazy person near a window. Well, who'd have thought what would happen there? Uh, <laughs> it's, it's almost the same, same thing. So, yeah, and it, but David Gurney's not a murderer. He's not a serial murderer and like you know horrible person. Well, well he's we a horrible we person. Don't know. We don't. You're right. We don't know. Um, but yeah, but he just he has secrets. He has secrets. Things he hasn't even told his wife. So we <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, don't please. know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So one of those secrets is where he ends up taking that van. He goes to a local bar that he goes to every Friday night. And just down <laughs> shot after shot of Irish whiskey.
1: But uh, so he goes in there first. He goes to the, the bartender He and the bartender's like, oh, what do you want? He's like, he's like, before you say anything. You know, I'll have my regular. And the guy's like, what's that? He's like, Irish whiskey. He's like, oh, okay, sure, whatever. And he's like, basically, like, you didn't know that? Like, that was supposed to be like his shred of evidence was the bartender that knows that he is a raging alcoholic on Friday nights at this place. Uh, for the He's been there. He said, like, I haven't told anybody that I've been here for every Friday night for the last three years. But yet he has, like, this wonderful friendship with the bartender. Like, you know, and he's like, you ever heard of David Gurney? He's like, nope, never heard of him. He's like, but I know who you are and you have a family and you used to be a prize fighter and you owe me $7 or whatever he kept saying. Like it was a whole, like he knows this tapestry that is the bartender through and through. Um, but that was his, one of his big pieces of evidence is that the secret bar that he would go to, to drink that the bartender knew his name, which wouldn't be secret. I don't know. It felt weird. Yeah.
0: yeah. So you get kind of a clumsy uh, ending as far as I'm concerned. So he's asking the bartender Sam. He's like, "What would you do if you woke up?" And, and basically recapping the episode and asking Sam, "Like, what would you do in this situation?" And the bartender's like, "I'm gonna cut you off."
1: <laughs> he's like, "How do you know my name yeah. and everything?" Um, yeah.
0: So as he's as he's telling him about like everything he knows about the bartender, he mentions the pictures on the wall. And then it sparks an idea. So it was kind of this little bit right here kind of confused me. I actually had to rewind it like three times. I was like, (laughs) what is happening right now? So he ends up going to a photography studio of sorts where he had some photo uh, made developed that like is going to prove everyone wrong that (laughs) he's actually David Gurney. So he goes in and for some reason, he knows the receipt number by heart.
1: Because of three uh, sevens,
0: of course you remember. Yeah, yeah, but it's still like eight numbers with sevens. There are three sevens at the end. Like, I, I don't think I would remember that if my life so, depended on. So
1: it. So do you? Do you know your wife's cell phone number?
0: Yes, I don't. I don't know my wife's cell phone number. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, like, I know like four telephone numbers by heart.
1: I, um, I I know my number and I know my work number for people to call me at work. And I after that, I'm like lost. It's so mostly.
0: Bad mostly because I have to put in her phone number when I use her Walgreens and uh giant Eagle <laughs> card. So, uh, that's mostly why I know her phone number. So wait, but you don't outside have your, of that, you don't I have your own giant
1: Eagle card for your own fuel perks. Come on. Like you gotta, like, you know, nah, we, we share. Oh, no. like, we're, we're married. You're better <laughs> than me. I'm just like, no, those are my fuel perks. I want my three cents off a gallon. <laughs> So anyway, but yeah, for, yeah good, good on David, David. Good on David Gertie Remember a number that like should no one no one else should remember this, but he does. It's so just, it's yeah. a receipt number. Yeah. Like who would know? But whatever. Yeah. Um.
0: So it, you see that it's a picture of himself in Roma, <laughs> and Wilma, uh, and it's going to cost a dollar eighty, which he doesn't pay and tries to just run away with the picture. Yeah. Um. So when he gets, he opens the door. The doctor's out there with the cops yet again. Uh, they knew exactly where he went. Because uh, this time they explain it. He stole the van. So they saw the van parked. Which is fair. That,
1: that's valid. Yeah. I'll give them that. So
0: at least they explained this one, how they found him. Um, but so he's like, I finally proved it. Take a look at this picture. So you get what you think is going to be the big twist of the episode. Uh, it turns out to just be a picture of himself, <laughs> which is a really awkward uh, photo. Yeah, I'm hoping,
1: uh, I am hoping you uh, captured that one. For I, I have both of them. I have the photo Sweet. of him together with his wife and then him by himself. And he's in a little different pose and his face is different <clears throat> in it. Um, which, um, you know, so it was just one of those things where I'm just like, I, so the whole thing is he was telling, um, he was telling the doctor, he's like, oh, he's like, I have, you know, I have proof, but he's like, oh yeah, whatever. He's like, no, I have photographic proof. He's like, how can that be faked? It's like, you know, at that time I I would agree with that. Like now you could, you know, do whatever. Yeah. Uh, but that makes sense. So in this case, like, you know, he, uh, you know, he was like, how, you know, how could I have a photo here suddenly? So, um, but I, um, I was going to uh, put those to you while we're talking, but I cannot figure out Skype right now. So anyway, but one, one, he's with his wife pose and the other one, he's like, it looks like he's kind of by himself kind of like doing like a, like a, I don't know, like a, Hey, I'm here and the look on like his face is different in both photos. So it makes <laughs> me wonder about like, during the production, like, you know, like what happened. So, uh, it, it is, it is bizarre and it, it's, it made me laugh so hard. Like the, the second, the second photo made me laugh. <laughs> a
0: great deal. Yeah, but his reaction, this really just breaks him. And he's yeah. just, uh, saying, I know we we're together. I know she's my wife. We were together. Um, and then, uh, we get the next twist of the episode. He wakes up in his bed again. And it was all a dream, which I am so glad it didn't end there because uh, it was all a dream is the uh, least exciting twist of any story. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. So he wakes up and uh, Wilma gets up and she's like, let me go take this this stuff off my face. She had like a face mask on or something. And um, but they make a point to not show her as she's getting up out of bed, walking towards the bathroom. Um, so, you know, something's up like immediately. You've watched this many. Uh, <laughs> you see that? I just saw the pictures. Do, yeah. do, you,
1: do you like the second picture of him where he's just like, hey, kind of, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, he's, he's having a blast. Just uh. And the first pretty one. Pretty close. The first one. He, he looks, looks like he's shocked. And the second yeah, one, he, he looks, looks like,
0: happier alone in the second one. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So she comes back out of the bathroom. And you get another great reaction shot from him. And it is not the Wilma that we've
1: seen the rest of the episode. Yeah, because the, the Wilma in the beginning was a brunette, and the one at the end is a blonde. Um, they have different faces, but it's different actresses. Uh, I yeah. was really, 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 really hoping for a second because this was Beaumont that either she would have no face. Like, like kind of like just like, like he is now being acknowledged as David but then he can't see her. Like I thought that would have been dark, but then, but then part of me was also like, what if it was his face? Like, what if it had been like her, like taking the mask off and like coming out of the bathroom or whatever. And it's, it's him talking to him. Like I was hoping for something really more dark than what it was. And it was just like, you know, so the, the, the ending of this is kind of, it is messed up in the sense of like, she's acknowledging him, but now he doesn't know his life. Like I get it. But it's so it's so like skipped by and that's the end of the episode that I feel like it doesn't have an impact.
0: Yeah. I mean it's it's definitely not predictable. I did that, 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 that's true. See that. Yes. I didn't oh. see the episode ending where it ends and up. The smash
1: um, cut of him multiply. falling to the floor of the photo office to him waking up in the bed made me think of shadow play. So that's why I liked it wasn't as loud as cutting to like cooked meat in an oven. But it was still effective, like this immediate, like, all right, he's falling to the floor in despair and he's waking up in the bed. I dug that. But like the ending, when he got to the, it just, I didn't, it just, nothing really connected with me. And it was very frustrating after the whole journey we went through. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah,
0: Um, What I was saying, though, about John Bram in the beginning, uh, I feel like this teleplay kind of stifled him and his style as we've talked about his background with like German expressionists and everything. um, I feel like he could not tip his hand at the fact that this was a dream, the whole thing, because everything was lying on that final two minutes of him waking up Mm. and then the real nightmare starting and everything. Uh, Mm. But he had to play it straight. So there was no room for that kind of, crazy imagery that we got in perchance the dream and Shadow play, like you said, which is kind of it it seems like you could have gotten almost anyone to direct this episode, yeah, unfortunately. and it was kind yeah. of it was kind of a bummer that, that they picked somebody with such good stylistic flair um, as they did for something that was just uh, just adequate. like it was just shot. There was nothing outside of a few transitions, like you said there was nothing that was really above and beyond in this from a direction standpoint. And
1: and it's frustrating just because like it's competently shot, but we know he's capable of much more. Like that's what you're saying. So I just, I, so it makes me wonder if this isn't laid at like Beaumont's like, you know, feet because we, we know he's capable of so much more. And I just don't know if like the, if, if, if the concept, like he, I mean, he certainly got the concept across. Don't get me wrong. it's
0: It's, it's a good idea. Uh, like I said, it, we've seen it a few times, yeah. sort of, uh, throughout the series. I mean, it vaguely is, like I said, loss of identity. But um, it, it is a good idea. Like I said, it is terrifying, the concept, and putting yourself in his position. It's it's hard to figure out what you would do in that position. So it's it's a good premise overall, but it just doesn't...
1: Really just doesn't pack a punch at all. No. Like one of my biggest fears, like honestly, is to be forgotten. Like I know that sounds kind of like kind of silly, but it's like, you know, because if you think about like all of human existence, how many people really are remembered? You know, <laughs> like there's not yeah. Like, you know, honestly, I mean, I know now it's a little bit more just because of the like the way the way technology is, but ultimately most people are honestly forgotten in a generation or two at best, you know. So like that's what that is a fear. And with this to happen to somebody as they're alive is very terrifying. It's just, you're right. Like this doesn't, doesn't do it. There's an episode of the eighties twilight zone where uh, a character wakes up and over the course of a day, his ability to recognize like language is shifting. Meaning like he, he's speaking English as the audience, like we were watching him, but over the course of the day, the words that he knows are being presented, but they're, they're changing in the sense of like, the, the only thing I remember and, uh, is that, uh, the word dinosaur is now switched out with the word lunch. So like he is confused when someone's like, oh, that's just like, let's go to dinosaur. He's like, what are you talking about? And over the course of the day, it gets more and more convoluted where all the words he knows have been jumbled and the world around him has changed in terms of how language is. And it's him like on the floor of his like son's bedroom looking through like a baby's first word book, trying to to understand the world as he see as it is now presented. Like it's not the same thing, but like the worldview has shifted. And that was terrifying to me as a kid watching it. And this is, it's hinting at that, but because the ending is that even though his wife is different, he's still now David Gurney again, so he can now be an asshole to everybody again. Doesn't seem like much of a change other than his wife looks different. And I'm sure within five minutes, he'll be just like yelling at her again and it'll be fine. Yeah. You know, like, so whatever. I don't she'll, know. It
0: was. She'll be making him breakfast. Uh, <laughs> she'll also be beautiful. Yeah. So it's
1: just like. So yeah. I mean, I'm glad he learned a <laughs> lesson. Not really. Um, yeah, it, it could be worse i guess <laughs> yeah um so so yeah like this like it's not it's not a bad episode i just feel like it was this is one of the few times where i'll say this i feel like it didn't go far enough where i feel like sometimes things we've seen recently have been so heavy-handed where it's like back off a second and you have something this it needed to go further and it just didn't you know so yeah, i you know. totally
0: i totally agree with you yeah, yeah so, i it, it this is one of those ones i I just, like I said, I wish it was in season one. I feel like I would have been a lot more forgiving yeah. if this was like the 10th episode of the series or something. And this this concept was a little bit more fresh to me uh, in this world, in yeah, this universe. I, that's
1: fair, yeah. So, but,
0: you know, we're almost through season three, and it, we can rattle off like four episodes that this kind of feels like. Yeah. So it just, it, it, I think that might take away from some of the impact of the ending Uh, but yeah no i I agree that's again it's one of the pluses of going through the series episode by episode and uh actually getting an idea of what it felt like to watch this from week to week and how putting yourself in the shoes as a viewer and just learning as you go on how the show works and what works and what doesn't
1: yeah I, I completely agree with that. So the only thing I found in, in any of the reference books I have is that um, the Martin Graham's book, which is of the three is like the most in-depth and people should buy that one because it's amazing. Uh, it, he made a note here that in an in, in uh, episode of Seinfeld called the Van Buren boys, uh, Jerry makes a reference to feeling like a Twilight Zone character who woke up and couldn't figure out his identity. And so when Kramer asked him which episode that was, Seinfeld remarked that they were all kind of like that. So that feels very <laughs> much like what we're talking about where he makes a joke and it's like, yeah, they were all kind of the same thing, you know? So that's, it's not far off from this. So I thought that was uh, worthy of mentioning that, uh, that this was a direct, maybe not a direct reference to this episode, but Martin Graham's felt was appropriate enough to reference it in regards to his <laughs> documentation for this episode. So credit to him for that.
0: That's very funny. Yeah. Now, I, I don't mean be dismissive of it because loss of identity is always a good premise. Yeah. Um, uh, so it, it it's just whether or not it brings something new to that, to the table. And this, this does to an extent, but like you said, I wish it went a little bit further with the ideas that Beaumont presented.
1: Yeah. So yeah, that's, um, that's all I got for notes for, for the episode. Do I don't know if you have anything else. Uh, no. yeah. <laughs> all right. So, all right, let's, uh, let's just, uh, rate the twist. <laughs> So him jumping out the window is definitely a five. Like I agree with that, completely a five. And then (laughs) and then the the photo switcheroo a five because it made me laugh so hard. But the notion that he is now known as David Gurney again, but his wife is different, I I just I gave it a three because it's like. Because of him waking up from the dream and it's like, oh, we know who you are. And I feel like ultimately that's what's most important to him, even though he's a little off put that his wife is now blonde and different looking. I feel like he would probably be okay in that world and probably be like, you know what? Wilma one called the police on me. I'll deal with Wilma two. So I gave it a three.
0: Yeah, she'll make me breakfast. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm I'm going to give the twist a four. Okay. Um, just because I didn't see it coming. And there is kind of a three part twist in this that together, I think works stronger than any of them individually. Cause you get the picture twist, then you get the dream twist and then you get the reveal of uh, Wilma being different. Um, I think all together that whole ending, just one after another works fairly strong as a twist. I, I didn't love it, but I didn't see it coming. Um, yeah, but the window is definitely a five-star <laughs> twist. <laughs> that was the most shocking thing in this episode was I the abrupt like
1: we haven't had head had a great jump
0: through a window. We haven't
1: had a great uh, abrupt window crashing since a most unusual camera, so it was nice to have some win- yeah. some window play back in here and back in the episode, so I appreciate it. This might
0: that. be my favorite uh, window scene out of the whole series, though. Yeah. Like, when I bar. go back and think about the season that's probably going to be one of the things that pops in my head. I might not remember this episode that great, but I'm going to remember him diving headfirst
1: through a glass window. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. So I agree. So, all right, before we talk about the next episode, uh, Kevin, how can people find us? Um, you can find us on Facebook,
0: Instagram, and YouTube at strange highways podcast. Um, you can email us and leave us voicemails at strange highways podcast at gmail.com. And if you haven't, uh, Subscribe to us. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean, Satchel, pretty much anywhere you can find uh, podcasts. And it would really help us out if you'd head over to iTunes or Stitcher or whatever your uh, podcast fetcher of choice is, and leave us a five-star rating. Yeah, and so- or review.
1: If you guys are are listening to us on Stitcher, I just noticed that uh, we have no reviews there. Not that like, you know, people don't enjoy us. I mean, I hope you guys do. If you could just give us a couple there because it does help with the aggregate in terms of like, we're recommending the show. So if you like the show, if you're listening through Stitcher, like just rate us and review us. That would be super great. Um, I know it's not the easiest to find. If you go through your web browser and go through Stitcher and like search our show, you can rate us that way. That would be super helpful. Yeah, that's, I mean, or you'll be like, I don't know what the show is. I'm done with it. So, and then I'm going to jump through a window and go find things. So whatever. Anyway, um, <laughs> next episode is called the little people. Uh, it is, it is not what I was hoping it would be, but, uh, I will, I'll read the description. Um, <clears throat> Next week, we take a trip through the galaxy to a few million light years away from your collective television screens. We'll land on an uncharted asteroid and then undergo an experience designed for goosebumps and palpitations because on the Twilight Zone and next time out, you'll see the monsters come in all sorts, of sizes and shapes. I hope we've whetted your appetite and if so, we'll see you next week. Our show is called The Little People. So I've not seen this one. Um, I know... I know you're not watching all the Simpsons Treehouse of Terror things. We've referenced that recently. Um, From this description, this feels like another thing that the Simpsons covered already. So I think I'm familiar with it, but have not seen this episode. Yeah,
0: I have not seen that Treehouse of Terror. Big shock. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But no, I haven't seen this episode either. Yeah. So it sounds interesting. It sounds
1: kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's going to do it for this week. It's going to do it for a person or persons unknown, which again, uh, that might be my favorite part of the episode aside from the window jump. The title is cool. It's a really cool title. Yeah. Um, Definitely. Yeah. So that's going to do it for this week, next week, uh, the little people. Uh, And so in the meantime, um, I don't know. I mean, I guess if you really are believing that you are who you are, then jump through a window. That's probably not the best advice, but that's what I got.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Just take it easy on the Irish whiskey. (laughs)
1: David Gurney, then who am I? That's what we're going to try to find out. In other words, I'm crazy. Like that guy who thinks he's Churchill. Is that what you're trying to tell me? Let's just say mentally disturbed.